Welcome to the first episode of the Skull Surge Podcast, where we are going to break down the future of the Minnesota Vikings. And with me today are two of my colleagues from Climbing the Pocket, Miles Gorham and Ryan Ortega. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm good. Good. Man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I think we're at a point in the Viking season where we kind of seen the we kind of know where things are going to go. So I think looking ahead a little bit is, is a great idea. I think it's never too early to talk about the draft, but I think when you're at a team that's, that's one in five, I think talking about the drafts gives you something to like want to talk about. Yeah, I'm doing well as well, man. And just, uh, yeah, it's pretty depressing on Sundays nowadays. So we got to uplift ourselves with these uh, hopeful conversations of, of the future here. So excited to talk about it. No, 100%. And we're just going to jump right in. How we got here. Obviously, it all kind of starts that, uh, August 16th, or August 30th, 2016. Teddy Bridgewater tears his knee, kind of sets the whole train in motion, um, trading that first round pick to get Sam Bradford. Then his knee is just crapping out on him. You get the miracle run from Keenum. You still don't know if Teddy's going to be able to hold up. So you go outside and get Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, really good quarterback debilitating flaws kind of puts us in a position where everything has to be great around him. And now you're stuck in this uh, contract where you have to either cut him now for $41 million or you're keeping him for the next two years. And unless you can uh, coax somebody like a Kyle Shanahan to want to trade for him, you're pretty much stuck in limbo. And it's, it's tough to really see a future for this team. And let's be honest, do we tear it down? Like, where do the Minnesota Vikings go for, Go from here? Yeah, I'll jump in. I think, I think we've talked about it uh, in, like, our group chats and such. I think the, 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 best, the best route they're going to be able to go moving forward is just building it, rebuilding. I mean, you're at a point right now where you've got a few, like, they've, they've used the last three and a half, four seasons as, like, this. They called it a window of winning a championship. <clears throat> well. 2017 was obviously the best year, the best chance they had with a backup quarterback in Case Keenum, but they had an elite defense, a really good run game, and two of the best, probably two the two best, you know, pair wide receivers in the league. So they were able to kind of put it all together in that one season uh, with a backup quarterback, which doesn't happen very often. We obviously saw the Eagles do it with Nick Foles, but I think Nick Foles is, a, is definitely a step above what uh, Case Keenum is. So we, they were able to kind of literally put it all together and win it all. <clears throat> We knew the Viking, what the Vikings did after that is they had expiring contracts in Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Bradford. So they were like, well, this is an opportunity for us to rebuild the quarterback position, get some stability because injuries have been and inconsistencies have been uh, a plague for the Vikings for a long time at that position. So they went out and got arguably one of the most durable quarterbacks in the league. He hasn't missed a game. He's the type of guy that, um, you know, with everything around him, he's going to be, you know, quote unquote successful in the fact that he's going to give you good numbers. He's always going to, like, give you somewhat – usually most of the time going to give you somewhat of a chance. Um, but, like, to your point, Tyler, there's that – you know, there's a lot of the de- debilitating, like, factors to his game that you're like, why can't he be better against better teams? Because ever since he came in in 2018, the Vikings were coming off, you know, the NFC Championship, and they decided we need, we need to just – we think the quarterback position is the key position we need to get us over the hump. Um, and they're not wrong in that sense. That thinking is not wrong. And the idea that we're a qu- not a quarterback away, but we're a, we need a better quarterback to get us over the hump. That's, that's 100% right. So that philosophy was right. 
where they went wrong is the guy that they got. And if Kirk Cousins had been in place in 2017, sure, maybe the things have been, would have been a little bit different. Maybe this team is a, a Super Bowl champ just because that team overall was stacked. They were loaded, great coordinator, um, great defense, you know, all the weapons in the world. Um, but you fast forward to 2018, you get a worse offensive line. You have <clears throat> somewhat of a worse defense because Zimmer decides to not adjust a little bit of his defense early in the season. And then you have a new offensive coordinator in um, John D. Filippo, who decided he wanted to run a completely different offense from what the Vikings had done the, the previous year. So there's a lot, that whole learning curve. Um, and from there, I'll continue on this window approach here. The, the Vikings window, they felt, well, we have Kirk under three years. And so we believe that our window now is we still have a young, young enough defense, core talent, and then you have, you know, core receivers and Thielen and Diggs and Dalvin Cook, all those good things, right? Um, <clears throat> you fast forward to 2019, they had a, I guess you'd call it a disappointing season in the regular season going 10 and 6. The other, the game 16 is kind of a wash because they had already clinched the sixth seed, so that one didn't matter. But still, 11 and 5 is 10 and 6. They're still the sixth seed in the, in the NFC. <clears throat> um, where they run into an issue is they weren't – they didn't beat any. They didn't beat any good teams in the regular season. You could argue maybe the Eagles because I guess technically the Eagles made the playoffs, but the Eagles weren't a good team. We saw that they were hurt. All those good things. They beat a New Orleans Saints team that you kind of didn't expect to happen. Obviously on the road, they, that Saints are a good team. Uh, all those good things. The issue that they ran into is they put all of their eggs into that one game as if that was like the Super Bowl for them, and then they, they ended up win that game, go to San Francisco, get blown out. The rest is history. But then. They extend Kirk, extend Zim, and extend Spielman, thinking things could get better as if the cap wasn't about to be worse for them as they moved forward. Um, so to bring it all back to where we are today, um, they're one in five with a, a very young roster while also having aging veterans that no longer look like guys that you, you want to have on the you know on long-term contracts, eating up your cap space beyond the season because it's not going to help you win a Super Bowl. And the end-all, be-all is about winning the Super Bowl. We know Kirk's not, going to, Kirk's not the guy to do it when everything around him isn't perfect. And we know that Zim, stro- Zim struggled without having an elite, elite defense on his, you know, to, to go. And I'm not saying Zim's not a good head coach or Kirk's not a good quarterback, but it might be time to, to reevaluate those positions and looking forward, kind of rebuilding that, that landscape up with a few of the core pieces that they do have to build around. It was a little long, but uh, I think I got to, I think I got there. No, I'm with you, Miles. A, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they were stubborn enough to believe that they could continue year after year to produce what they did in 2017 and not understanding that there's going to be a natural regression. People are going to figure out what you're doing. And you alluded to Mike Zimmer's play calling on defense in 2018 and his unwillingness to adjust. He got torched by RPOs with Nick Foles. Absolutely torched. And that was one of the main reasons that they lost the game. And the unwillingness to adapt and adjust and try and fix those uh, really hindered that team just moving forward. Ryan, where are you sitting uh, with where we're going right now? Do we tear it down? Kind of, uh, What else did you see that helped us get here? And what do we do? Um, yeah, so, you know, taking a look at how we got here, I mean, we – the hard part here is we're taking a look. We have a, we have a 
head coach who is a very one-minded type head coach. And if he's not getting his way on how he wants his team to run, right, in terms of you're the head coach, you run it the way you want to run it, um, it's going to, you know, hinder the rest of the team. So, again, you go back to 2017. We bring in John Filippo. Doesn't work out because he's throwing the ball too much. Zim wants to run the ball. Run, run it down the opponent's throat and, and really manage the game and, and own the game time. And then, um, so he, he fires him, brings in, you know, you know, obviously we have the interim and, and Stefanski. Stefanski does well, obviously, last year, well enough to actually, uh, or I'm sorry, that, that interim period well enough to actually win over that role uh, for 2018 or I'm sorry, yeah, uh, 2019. And then, and then, but we bring in Kubiak to kind of babysit him, right? Uh, because Kubiak does like to run the ball. And Stefanski did a good enough job where he, he left um, to take a head coaching job in Cleveland, which they're doing pretty darn well. But where I see the issue is that we haven't had any stability in that position, in a position that we really do need stability, especially for a quarterback. And with a head coach who, you know, is my way or the highway and has proven that, um, it, it's been pretty tough for us to have any sort of consistency on offense, which we're seeing year in and year out. Uh, obviously, we had that great year with Shermer, um, and then we went to Filippo. We didn't make the playoffs that year. <laughs> we went to Stefanski for a full year, had a great year, and now we're with Kubiak, which, again, I, I don't think it's Kubiak's fault that we're not winning games. I mean, um, I, I think a lot of it's more on execution. There is some bad play calling, but uh, really taking a look at that. It, I think that's led to this a little bit as well. So, you know, Miles alluded to the Kirk Cousins bit. I think I'm trying to uh, bring in the, the Mike Zimmer bit of, you know, I think he is a good head coach, but I don't know if he's the head coach. I don't know if he's the head coach to continue leading this team. Uh, so to answer your, your first question here, what, what do we do? Um, I'm, I'm team burn it all down uh, to the studs. I mean, obviously you're going to keep your young talent uh, you're going to keep your great contracts that you have on your elite talent. So I'm not saying we need to get rid of Hunter. I don't think we should get rid of um, Kendricks. Uh, obviously, I think we should extend O'Neal. Um, obviously, we have uh, some really good young talent on offense. And uh, Bradbury, I think he's doing pretty well. Justin Jefferson's a lot of fun. We just extended Kirk, uh, Cook, so we're not, we're not getting rid of him. Uh, but, you know, taking a look at guys like, you know, um, Anthony Harris, uh, you know, he, he could go Riley reef again, not to say he's not playing well, he is actually playing well, but there are teams that need that talent right now that we can hopefully get a decent return on because I don't think he's going to be, um, reef's not going to want to stick around for a rebuild. And I don't know how many more good years he has left. So if we can get rid of him now, um, for, you know, some decent capital, I think that'd be smart. Um, taking a look at uh, Kyle Rudolph, see if you can even get anything for him to a team who has tight end help. I, I was thinking like Buffalo. Buffalo lost uh, da, um, Dawson Knox. So, you know, he might be able to go in there and provide at least some red zone help there. Um, you know, Reef, I mentioned Anthony Harris. I mean, uh, even Harrison Smith. I mean, I, I would never advocate to get rid of Harrison Smith. I think he's still one of the best defenders on our team. Uh, but I mean, he's eight, he's like 31, 32. I mean, he's getting up there in age and um, he probably wants to play for a winner. He's not going to want to sit around in a rebuild either. Um, I think we should, uh, you know, get a new head coach, maybe someone a little bit more creative, offensive minded. Um, I have a big head coaching kind of short list that I put out on Twitter uh, that I, I think would be, you know, in, intriguing to bring in. 
And, and hate to say it, I think he's done a good job building this roster, but I think there's a lot of misses as well as a lot of hits here. And I just think we just need a fresh new look. And I, I would even say bringing in a new GM. No, I'm, I'm with you, Ryan. And that kind of just rolls right into our next topic, which kind of talks about what a full rebuild would look like, tearing it down to the absolute studs and just uh, going ground up. And I think you made a really good point. You're going to keep a lot of those core pieces. You got Jefferson, Thielen. He's probably going to be one of those core guys too, even though him being at the age of 30, $60 million a year, somebody wants to trade for him. That might be an avenue that they take. You have O'Neal and Bradbury on the offensive line. Looks like Cleveland's going to be your future left tackle. Uh, you got to upgrade both those guard positions, and you can take a look at my piece from finding the pocket that you can really find those guys in the middle rounds. So you don't have to really worry about reaching for one in the top ten or top fifteen. Uh, we had talked a little bit about those coaches, um, those coaching candidates, Ryan. Uh, who are your guys? Because we've heard the enemy. Um, you, you're going to hear about Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, maybe even Dan Mullen from Florida, even though with their whole COVID outbreak, that's probably going to get pushed uh, underneath the rug a little bit. Uh, who do you really want to come in and take over for this team if Zimmer ends up uh, getting the can? Well, obviously, you know, the the um, the wish list is the enemy. I mean, obviously, he's sitting under Reed. Reed's put out a great coaching tree, and I think there's been a lot of successes out of that. Um, out of that tree, that makes the enemy intriguing. I, I like that. You know, he's – people keep knocking him saying he's not the one that's actually calling the plays. He does call quite a bit of plays actually. Um, and he is a very integral part of actually creating that offensive game plan. So maybe he's not the one calling every single play, but he's the one that's creating these plays and he's the one creating the, the, the schedule and kind of how we go about or how they go about um, executing their offense on a, on a weekend and week out basis. So, you know, I, I think he, he, he would probably be my top candidate. Now, there's some other intriguing candidates out there I think that could be um, interesting. Uh, there's Byron Leftwich. He's running uh, the offense over in uh, Tampa Bay. Obviously, he's got some great weapons on his team right now, so that, that offense is, is looking pretty good and all-time great quarterback. But, you know, I think he's done well even in the, the few years that he's been um, running that offense. Um, Brian DeBall over in, in Buffalo. I think he is uh, doing a phenomenal job. Uh, one, developing Josh Allen, who everyone just assumed was going to be complete garbage in this league. And he's turned him into a competent quarterback. Now I know he's had a couple struggles these last couple games, but you know, he, he's showing out well. He's um, turned, you know, he, he's taken Stefan Diggs and turned him into a top five uh, receiver. He might've already been there with us anyway, but um, but, you know, taking a look at having Josh Allen as your quarterback and him still producing at that rate, I think is fantastic. Um, Arthur Smith over in uh, Tennessee, that offense is booming. And they actually have a similar style to what we do. They just are executing at a much better rate than we are. Uh, but, you know, wide zone. So we wouldn't have to change the offense all that much. It would just be hopefully a more creative play caller who can actually get the best out of his, out of his players. Um, some kind of lesser, I guess, lesser known or, uh, you know, may, maybe more um, in, interesting candidates would be either of the coordinators over in uh, San Francisco offensive coordinators. So they have a passing game coordinator and they have a run game coordinator. Uh, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's little brother, um, and Mike McDaniel, 
who um, is their run game coordinator. I think either one of them could be intriguing as well as I think, although um, I think Kyle Shanahan is more integral in, in a lot of that game planning, but those two are kind of his, you know, protégés, so to speak, and, and really developing that um, offense. And, you know, I, I know they're not playing as well this year, but what they were able to do with that run game last year, San Francisco, um, has me really intrigued uh, with how creative they can be. Obviously, I want to be more of a passing team. Um, so, I, And I think Mike LaFleur, he's gotten a lot of great reviews from a lot of different people. Um, and then some other names I'll just kind of throw out there. Greg Roman, he's created a really good offense over in, in – um, really everywhere he's been Kaepernick days uh, with uh, San Francisco uh, Baltimore right now with Lamar Jackson. So I think he's an intriguing uh, uh, prospect, somebody probably not this year, but if we choose to not remove Zimmer this year and maybe into the, into the 2022 year, uh, Mike Kafka, I think again, he's again, under read, he's getting a lot of credit. Now it kind of makes me nervous because the last time we took a, um, a QB coach and, and brought him into an OC role um, was uh, John Filippo, which didn't work out well. So I, somebody I'd consider um, some defensive coordinators, which again, I want more of an offensive minded guy, but if we brought defense coordinators in uh, to run the team, uh, Robert Sala would be interesting. Wink Martindale, which would be interesting. And Matt um, Uberplus, I, the, the defense coordinator over in, uh, with the Colts. I mean, those guys are doing great things with their defenses. And then of course, everyone knows my absolute pipe dream would be Lincoln Riley. I don't see it happening. Um, Oklahoma head coach. I don't think he's leaving to go anywhere, but um, if he were to, I would absolutely love him here. So. I think anybody would love Lincoln Riley here. I just want innovation. I remember watching uh, the Niners and Rams on Sunday night and just, they run basically the same system that we do except like watching Sean McVay, almost all their formations are close to identical. They're, they're making their runs and passes look the same. So it's confusing for the defense and they're using these unique counters and zone splits where you've got like a wide receiver coming to take off the edge on the opposite side. Like that's just fun. Give me fun. Give me creativity. Give me, Something other than, hey, I'm just going to run Dalvin up the middle and I'm going to run deep overs every other play. Like, I just want to – I want to have fun again. Well, I want to watch good football. Well, and you guys touched on the consistency of the lack of – I should say the lack of consistency at OC. One, one thing that we've seen across the NFL is all these teams looking for the young, innovative offensive minds to become new head coaches so they get plucked away pretty quickly. Kevin Stefanski is a perfect example. Pat Shermer. He wasn't as young, but he was a, a prime example of having running a successful offense, taking them deep into the playoffs, um, getting the most out of his, his players, those types of things. If you were to make your next head coach an offensive-minded coach, someone that has innovation, no matter what, who your OC is, the infrastructure is still built and is in place. So you're never going to have to worry about, well, we're going to have to change up our offense. We're going to have to change up the entire philosophy of what we're doing on offense because we have a new OC. No, you have the, if you have this uh, consistency at the head coach position, um, like an Eric Bieniemy, any of the guys, you know, on off, offensive-minded coaches that Ryan mentioned, you don't worry about them getting plucked away because, like Andy Reid, Andy Reid continues to be successful because what he has in place is always continuing continuously the same. He just brings in a new OC to help him 
continue to build off of what their current roster makeup is. It's never, we're going to reinvent the wheel. Obviously I think they adjusted to their offense for Patrick Mahomes, but that's what you should do for your quarterbacks. Right. But at the, their overall infrastructure is built because if Eric Bieniemy goes, Andy Reid's still there. Andy Reid's still there to help run the current offense that they have in place. So Patrick Mahomes isn't worried about having to run a whole new system with a whole new offensive coordinator, new play calling, uh, new uh, terminology, all that good stuff. That's all still in place because of Andy Reid. So if you were to get an offensive-minded head coach, at least then you're not worried about a quarterback that ha- has to, having to worry about that lack of consistency across the board. That That's built in with the head coach right there, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, you know, we've seen it across the league. Some of the best offenses in the league are usually offensive-minded head coaches. And that's not to say it has to be that way. But if you're looking for uh, a team, if they were to rebuild completely, you get rid of Kirk Cousins, you trade Kirk Cousins away, whatever that plan is, um, and you, you go in and draft a new quarterback for the future, that new offensive-minded head coach can build that quarterback up within that system, and you don't have to worry about that lack of consistency. So that's something I really think – is something you want to make sure that you do so that you can have that in place. Cause I believe it's a little easier to find a new new defensive coordinator than it is a new offensive coordinator. Not to say defense isn't important. We know it's important, but the new philosophy of today's NFL is, and it should have it probably should have always been this way. Offense is everything. And yet, yes, you want to have a good enough defense, but it's about scoring points and it's about limiting uh, points being scored on defense. Not about always being an elite shutdown defense because that's really hard to do year over year. But it's not as hard to be a consistently good offensive offense year over year with consistency. So I believe if if they were to do that, go to that approach, I'd want to make sure it was someone that was offensive minded and probably more of that outside zone run scheme, too, because of kind of what they have it built in place right now with Bradbury O'Neill. Those guys are built for those outside zone schemes. They're not built for those power runs. That's not the type of players that they're built to be. So you want to make sure that you're you're kind of matching those guys to um, your coach to that as well. I'm with you. It, if we do transition uh, offenses, it would be really nice to bring in a guy who also runs an outside zone scheme. But I also don't think we should uh, pinpoint that we have to bring in that guy either because that's that's kind of what we did with Kubiak. Kubiak just kind of slid in, and now it just feels like the offense is uncreative. doesn't feel like he has all the bullets in the chamber to be able to really make this work. And – I don't know if he's just he doesn't trust Kirk Cousins or what because Cousins is the catalyst for this whole thing. If you were to we're going to talk about rookie quarterbacks here in a minute, but if you were to plug in a rookie quarterback who has confidence with this offense, I think you're looking at a completely different team, and we might have three or four wins because that that rookie is probably going to be a little mobile, probably going to have confidence to not make a perfectionist type throw and. There's, there's just going to be a different mentality with the entire team. Like, oh, this guy is not going to be the hindrance that holds us back from winning football games. And I think if you're going to do a full rebuild, whether or not you replace Spielman Zimmer, Cousins has to go. Because even though he can look like a top eight, top ten quarterback, the next week he could look like the 30th best quarterback in the National Football League. And you can't have that kind of discrepancy if you really want to – sustained continued success in the NFL like in our lifetime we've had maybe one franchise quarterback and you could argue that he wasn't that was Dante Culpepper other than that Fran Tarkington this franchise has been around for 60 years like 
the Packers have had two franchise quarterbacks that will be first ballot Hall of Famers in our lifetime. Like, just think about that. That's insane. The Colts were about to have two before Andrew Luck abruptly retired. We got to figure that piece out. And if we don't figure that out, we're going to be stuck in this purgatory that for like all of our kids' lives. <laughs> well, before we move on to, to the prospects, because I, I 100% with you, I've always been in the continue to take shots at getting a quarterback because you never know. And that's why I've always called for middle to late round draft picks. You be, use one on a quarterback because maybe you'll hit on a guy. You never know. I, people love to use Tom Brady as an example. That's obviously an outlier. But overall, you never know. And so uh, what I believe is what, what like to your point, Tyler, is, is, is really key here is this, this franchise, they don't like to rebuild. They like to soft rebuild or they like to just retool. And rather than they're, – they're really good at never v- completely overhauling. They're very good at let's just retool and rebuild sl- uh, quickly so that we can be competitive in most, most years. And obviously under Zim, it's been an every other year thing. In the last decade, it's literally been like an every other year thing where if you don't have that consistency at the quarterback position, it's never really going to matter because you're never going to find – that like you can be a flash in the pan team like the 2017 uh, team was the 2009 team was that same way because Farb wasn't the long term answer he was the we need to win right now answer and it almost worked but it didn't it, twice we saw it in the last decade it didn't work so instead of trying to just retool on the fly how about strip it down to the studs and start it over because you. They don't do. They don't do it, and I, I'm not saying it's going to always work. But instead of trying to be a middle of the road or you know fringe playoff team next year, why don't you just strip it down, free up some of that cap space that you don't have, and rebuild and retool that that franchise because uh, around a, a young rookie cheap quarterback because that's usually what we've seen is the most is the best way to create sustained success in the NFL. And, and, and talking, talking about the players themselves, too, I mean, when, we, when I'm saying uh, strip it down, I'm, I'm talking from the, the top down, right? Like, let, let's, let's grab in a new GM. Let's see what he has, right? Let's bring in a new innovative offensive-minded head coach and see what they have, and let's bring in a quarterback. Everything else we'll, we'll figure out because you can win. As long as you have that quarterback and a good head coach, you can win in this league. I mean, it's been proven. And – I don't think this needs to be a, a, uh, you know, what, what was the, the Rams I think took like multiple, multiple years to, to figure this out. Right. Um, I, I don't think we need to do that. I don't think it's going to take a five-year job to get it done. We have some really good talent on this team on both sides of the ball that can be game changers in important positions. We have great receivers. We have, uh, if we decide to keep Yannick uh, in Gakwe, we have great defensive ends. We got some rookie corners who, yeah, they're getting torched a little bit right now, but they're, they're kind of getting thrown into the fire. There's no veteran leadership on that side of the ball, right, uh, in terms of in that room, I should say. So I don't think this needs to be like, oh, we're stripping down and it's going to be a five-year job before we can be competitive. If we come in and let's just say, and again, I know we're going to talk uh, rookie quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence pipe dream. I don't think that's going to happen, but if we can get one of those other two guys, well, let's, and they let's, can, get, in, let's get into those then. If we're going to start, let's segue into it, Ryan, if we're going to sure. do that, let's segue into it. Sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, if we're, if we're looking at one of these three guys though, we're, you know, they have the ability to go off script, 
that have one at the at, at in the college level and who have all of these tools that Kirk Cousins doesn't have. Now, who knows? Maybe they don't have that mental processing capability that Kirk's relatively good with. Uh, but in terms of in terms of the athletic ability, when things break down in front of you, can you get out? Can you move? Can you uh, throw on the run? Can you go off script and make a play? And all three of these top guys can do that. They've shown it in college. They look like they have every ability to do that in the pros. So if you have that with a Justin Jefferson, with an Irv Smith, have a strong run game behind you. Adam Thielen's still here for the time being, and I hope he stays. Um, your offense doesn't need to – I mean, obviously we need to rebuild that line, but that, that could be a quick turnaround on offense. Now, defense, obviously, who knows who we bring in as a defensive coordinator and how long that might take to rebuild. But like Miles, like you said, the offense is the important piece here. Get that solid offense now, and then we'll figure the rest out. And I don't think that that needs to take two, three, four years – or three, four, five years. You know, one to two years, I think we can have a competent offense that we feel good about. I agree, and that's what we've seen across the league is new uh, young you know teams with young quarterbacks they take a year or two to to like really let their quarterback get their feet wet, and then they then they take that next year and they re they 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 completely go all in with the chips in with a lot of their pieces we're seeing with Buffalo right now we saw it with the Rams we saw we've seen it with the Eagles you know we've seen it across the league I'm all about that because I believe that's the likely the best approach you're going to get because you if you can't build everything else around your quarterback when your quarterback's making that much money, it's going to be really hard for you to, to really sustain, sustain that success. Unless you're a Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, you know, a quarterback that can really overcome all the deficits around your, your, uh, your team. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know if the Vikings are going to be within uh, shouting distance of getting one of those top three guys. Cause I think they're all going top six at, at this rate. We're sitting at around that sixth position but this team has a lot of talent and we all know what kind of games Kirk Cousins can have. And he can look like a top 10 quarterback at times. So we're probably going to end up picking around 10, 15 and without a second round pick to be able to jump up. I don't know if they will be a little gun shy to make that move. So we got to kind of look at other quarterbacks, Kyle Trask of Florida, uh, that people got are calling the Mormon Manziel, Zach Wilson out of BYU. Like, these are the kind of guys we're probably going to be looking at at that QB5 uh, or four spot. Uh, Shane Bouchelle at SMU has shown a lot of promise. Uh, but So they're not going to be these top flight guys, but th- they are guys who can come in and get the job done. Have you guys had a chance to watch any of these guys and uh, form any kind of opinion on them yet? Because I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson. I haven't watched much on, on Zach Wilson. Uh, Kyle Trask is interesting. Um, again, I, I don't – obviously, you're a big fan, I, I assume, <laughs> given the, the, the background there that you have with the Florida Gators. But, you know, he, you know, he shows to, to process the field relatively well. Um, I don't think he has quite the athletic profile that I would like to see out of this role. He's athletic, but he's not – I mean, he, he's not going to blow, blow the socks off or anything. Um, not a statue. That's the big thing. He's not a statue. Exactly. So he's one that's intriguing to me. Um, I've seen quite a bit of Brock Purdy. Um, I've seen some really good things out of him. I've seen some really bad things out of him. Um, he'd be a guy that I'd in, be intrigued by in the, in the mid rounds. But again, when we're talking, you know, Brock, the Brock Purdy's or, um, 
and, and I'm drawing a blank and I, I don't know why, but the, the Minnesota kid, um, Morgan. we, th- those are not the guys that I'm like excited about now. Sure. Let's, you know, we can take them in the mid rounds and, you know, they, they can be Kirk cousins asking, you know, be game managers. But, you know, if we're like you, uh, Tyler, like you said, if we're sitting at somewhere between, you know, six and 10, um, in this draft and we're not trading up to go get one of those three guys, what the hell are we doing? What was the point of tearing everything down? If, I mean, I know it might cost a lot. You might have to give up a first rounder in, in the next year in 2022 to make it happen. That's what you have to do. I mean, look at what the chiefs did. Look at what the Texans did. I know they're losing right now, but they have a franchise quarterback that they can feel confident about, right? You look at these guys who are getting or trading up to get these, these, names with confidence that they're going to be able to be good players. Now jury's out. Justin Fields might be a bust. Trey Lance might be a bust, but they have the tools. They have the excitement. They have the, 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 I guess the track record to show that they can produce at a very high level in the big 10. Obviously I know the, the um, D one double a with the NDSU, but um, isn't great, but we've seen, you know, Carson Wentz come out of there and, and dominate that league and then come into the NFL and do well, uh, MVP Canada at one point. So, um, you know, I, I look at more, I guess, the, the, the tools and, and the mental makeup of them versus always their competition. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I just say if, if you're not going after one of those three guys, I obviously you're the same approach that Miles said, always try to grab a guy mid round and see if you hit the jackpot with a, with a Brock Purdy or um, yeah, Kyle Trask. I think he goes a little higher. I don't think he's a mid round guy. Um, yeah. But I know I haven't watched much on Wilson, man. Uh, I'm excited to know that with that endorsement there. So. I'll say this much about Wilson last year. I thought he was uh, fun, bad. And this year he's turned into fun, really good. The guy runs around like a, like a crazy guy. And if you you remember against uh, when Oklahoma played Alabama, Ryan, because I know you're a big Oklahoma guy, that throw Kyler Murray had where he was basically running forward, flipped his hips, and then threw a 50-yard a rocket for a touchdown, Zach Wilson makes those kind of throws. And yeah, he's going to be a guy that Vikings Twitter is going to be talking a lot about over the course of the next few months because it is all over draft Twitter. But uh, that is it for today. Gentlemen, I appreciate you joining me talking some Vikings, talking about how we need to just burn this thing to the ground. And we will uh, definitely have to do this again. And moving forward, we're going to be talking a lot of quarterbacks here on this podcast because the Vikings need it. And hopefully for the love of God, they figure out that they do. Um, Any last words, gentlemen? I'm not about, I'm not about uh, cheering for the team to lose, but they're on a bye this week. So you don't have to worry about them winning or losing this week. So just enjoy football. Yeah, I, I hate I hate the whole tank thing because yeah, I never want my team to lose. But you know, uh, I also want us to win in the future. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not actively looking. I'm not actively rooting for them to lose, but I'm not as upset as I normally would be when they do. Well, there's still swear words being yes. thrown towards yep. the TV yeah. when I'm watching yeah, the game. Yeah. So clearly, I care still. But yeah, definitely, it has to get worse before it gets better. And with that, take care and skull. <laughs>